0: Our Lord, we come before you right now, and we ask that you would communicate to us. Lord, give us ears to hear. Open up the clogged uh, eardrums, and, and Lord, just give us clarity today. Lord, I pray that you will help, uh, help me to speak your word. Uh, Lord, this would not be uh, just my opinion, but this would be communicating your will and your word, Lord, by your spirit and the, the word of God to, to be communicated to your people. So, Lord, would you please give us that grace today? Give us ears to hear, hearts to believe, and a new will to live out what you've taught us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, everybody. Amen. amen. All right, now, if you can't say amen, we're going we're to have trouble. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's so good to see all of you today. I was not expecting to, uh, to break a, uh, shed a tear today, but I did, and that's okay. Right? That's okay. Um, because we don't have to hide our emotions when we come into the house of God. In fact, uh, we, should, we should bring them with us. Uh, a pastor once told me uh, when we were talking about some difficult issues, he said, we ask people to, to just leave that at the door. And I was like... Where are they going to take it? you got to bring your stuff into the house of God. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's the desire. That's the invitation. If you have a problem, if you have a concern, if you have a struggle, I pray, truly pray that this would be a place you could bring that honestly and that you would receive the grace of God and a welcome by our Father into this into this family that he's made one of my favorite things about the summer is road trips I hope you've gotten to take a road trip this summer we took a road trip Laurie and I down to Florida and they're just a lot of fun usually of course there's always something that goes wrong on a road trip, right? And, and, and one of the things that often goes wrong on a road trip for me is I'm driving and I've been driving for a while and I really need a break, but I start to get kind of tired. And so my steering wheel does this number. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It's not me. It's the steering wheel. The steering wheel begins to drift a little bit, right? And, and on the side of the road, uh, the, the, the Department of Transportation has uh, designed these tiny little uh, ridges or, or bumps. And when you run across those ridges and those bumps, it goes, Rrrr. you know what I'm talking about? It goes, Rrr. y'all do it with me. Rrr. Can y'all roll your R's like that? Okay. It's all right. So, what that means is you're drifting right you got to get back okay and hopefully you don't overcorrect and go into another lane of traffic we have to pay attention or we'll start to drift family on the back row just came back from the beach right and uh, I was talking with uh, Josh Joshua Josh this morning either one's good and he said he went body surfing out in the in the ocean I love body surfing. Does anybody else like, like to get in the water? Who's, who's too afraid of sharks? Gary, raise your hand. <laughs> who's too afraid of sharks? Right. But I love getting out in there, and I'm watching for dorsal fins, you know. But, um, but I get on the wave and ride that thing all the way up. And when I was a kid, I used to love doing this. And I didn't need a boogie board or anything. I had a boogie board built in. And, and I, would just, I would just ride that wave all the way up all day long if my mom would let me. But what I noticed was, and maybe you noticed this this week, is when you're out in the ocean and you put all your stuff on the beach and maybe your mom's there and she's reading a book or something, I noticed that as you are body surfing, what happens? Yeah, you begin to get further out. You begin to get further down. And I remember one time as a kid panicking because I, I got so far down, the tide took me so far away from where my mom was that I couldn't see her anymore. And I started to panic, like, what am I going to do? I've drifted too far. And so I, you know, probably started running back up to the beach and running all the way back down trying to find her wherever she was. And so after that, she planted this big red umbrella and she said, look, just keep your eye on the umbrella and you won't drift. We have to pay attention or we'll start to drift. Our scripture today comes to us from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And before I reread our scripture for today, I want to share something a little personal. And that is, some of you know, because I've shared it with you, my family knows, that I've been struggling lately. Like struggling with being discouraged struggling with feeling down struggling with feeling like a failure struggling with feeling like nothing's going right in my especially in church and ministry that's like you know when you're when you're uh, working in a job that can become like your identity like everything that happens at your job is like you take it personally you know and I think that was starting to happen starting to drift starting to drift in my thoughts away from my confidence in the Lord, starting to drift into feeling anxiety, starting to drift into feeling some um, emotional unhealth. Is that a word? You know what I mean. There were moments in the last month where I began crying without even knowing why. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? And I was reading about what COVID has done to us as a nation. And this kind of thing is way more common now than it had been before. Where we are just overwhelmed. And because of circumstances, we've let ourselves be pushed down by the waves. We've let ourselves fall asleep and drift a little bit. And, 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 and for me, that means losing faith in the Lord, like on a real practical level, losing faith in the Lord and getting angry at the Lord and feeling like he doesn't know what he's doing. And what God is teaching me and has taught me uh, even through our scripture today, um, and I'm going to share more with you about this uh, later, is that what he's teaching me, okay, not taught me, amen, don't, don't, don't get it don't like what was the ser- sermon title last week don't get it twisted don't get it twisted right uh, teaching is he's teaching me that i've been drifting that i've been drifting let's read our scripture cuz this is really where our answers are found in hebrews chapter 2 uh, verses 1 through 4 god says therefore we must pay much closer while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is God's word for God's people. Amen? I want to take just a second and explain a couple things in this passage because it's a little confusing, I'll I'll admit. It's a little confusing. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. When you see a therefore, you got to ask, what's it there for, right? And, and, And what it's doing is it's pointing us back to what was said in chapter one. And what was said in chapter one basically is that God has been communicating his will to the world through the Old Testament. Right here it is, right here in front of me, the Old Testament. Now he has sent his son. And now he's fully revealed who he is in the person of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Okay, and so where it says that we must pay closer attention is saying we were paying attention with what God has said in the Old Testament. Now we really gotta pay attention because the message is even better, right? The message is even fuller. And so God is saying you gotta pay closer attention to what you have heard. And what is that that we have heard? What's the word we use? Starts with a G, the gospel. We have heard the message of the gospel and that is not a type of music only. It also means the message that God has come to rescue us from our enemy, sin, our spiritual enemies, the devil, world that has set itself up against God and everything good, that God has redeemed us from that and even our own uh, part in that, that he's redeemed us from it. He's redeemed us by sending a substitute into this world, the Lord Jesus and the cross. It represents the redemption that we have in Christ, meaning that we all deserved to go the way of judgment. But God made a way by his grace that everyone who trusts in Christ, who says, I'm with him, That's what faith is. It's saying, I'm with Jesus. That when we do that, we now have forgiveness. We now have experienced God's love, unconditional love. We now get to uh, not only experience that, but we get to live it. We get to share it, right? And so that's the good news. And that's why he's saying you need to pay closer attention to what you have heard, lest you drift away from it. Now, a lot of times when we hear the word pay attention, we're thinking there's something I gotta do, right? There's something, I've, I've, I wasn't paying attention, I gotta focus on my assignment, I gotta do the work right. But I want us to look a little bit at what is it that causes us to drift away? What is it that causes us to drift away? And I think there's basically two ways we can drift. Okay, the first way is that we stop paying attention to what we've heard. And the second is that we neglect such a great salvation. We drift in two ways. I'll put it another way. We can drift by falling asleep. Okay, think about the highway. We can drift by falling asleep or we can drift by getting busy. Focusing on something good, like playing, (laughs) right? we can, fall, we can drift by falling asleep or by getting busy. Uh, you know what I mean, falling asleep? What I mean by that is you stop putting yourself in a position where you're awakened to, what, to God's gospel. You stop putting yourself in the place of hearing the message of salvation. You stop putting yourself around people who remind you of God's grace. You start associating with people who treat you as your sins deserve. In other words, they judge and they judge and they judge. They don't judge themselves. And so we fall asleep when we, when we stop going to worship. We fall asleep when we stop getting in the Word. Why? Not because those are things we got to do, but because that's where we hear about salvation. That's where we hear the message that God has for us. He says, such a great salvation. It's here. It's in the body. It's in, it's in our times within, in the Word. It's in our times when we pray together as a family. It's in our times when we meet with somebody one-on-one, and, and if we don't bring up the Lord, then we might be falling asleep. We might be falling asleep. It's a danger. Chelsea's facing a danger. She's leaving and going to a new city. And what's the danger? The danger is that you could, you could be lulled into sleep. Because it's hard to get into a new church. I know. Some of you are visiting with us today. It's hard. I know. It's hard to get into it, especially like an intense church like this. we like, I don't know if I want people like their hands all over me, hugging me. <laughs> you know? um, I get it. I get it. I get it. So, so, so it's dangerous, right, to leave and to, and, to, and to maybe be lulled into sleep, to be lulled away from fellowship, to be lulled away from hearing the good news the gospel really proclaimed. Uh, Not uh, not 10 steps for making your life better, because that's what a lot of churches are. They're just moralism. They're just legalism. They're just religion. And you don't need that, brothers and sisters. You need the good news of Jesus. You need the message of God's grace for sinners. That's what you need. That's what I need. And that's what we try to give you at this church. Because we don't want you to fall asleep. And we don't want you to get busy. Because the second way you can drift is by doing church. Because you know what, we can all—that's how I've been drifting. (laughs) I've been drifting because I've been doing church, and I've been drifting because I've been doing church, and I've been drifting because I've been doing church. (laughs) And you can drift that way too. You know, you can. uh, I, I I read my Bible and pray every single day. And I'm not bragging, I'm just saying, I drifted and I'm reading my Bible and praying every day. The answer is not more dues. The answer is, what does he say? What does he say in the scripture? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. You can hear it all day long, but if you don't pay attention to it, this is where I, I drop the ball. I didn't pay attention to what God was saying to me in his word. I was reading it. I was praying. And I think God's answered my prayer, actually, <laughs> by waking me up to this thing and saying, hey, I don't see the red umbrella anymore. Right? And, and so God's saying, listen, pay attention to the message that you've heard this great salvation. Uh, Don't drift like a car on the interstate. I want you to hear this clearly, okay? Listen. Wake up. Listen. Pay attention to the message that God has given us in the gospel. The message of his grace in Jesus Christ. Listen to the message How do we stop drifting? we got to listen, right? That's the first thing. But like I said, it's not do better. It's not uh, try harder. It's not uh, work more. How do we know that? Because look, (laughs) y'all, this story right here of the Old Testament is the story of people working harder, doing more, trying harder, pulling themselves up by their own bootstrap, and what what ends up happening every single time, they forget the central thing, which is the grace of God. They forget the central thing, which is God is my Savior. I'm not my Savior. Uh, If you listen to social media, if you listen to any media, if you listen to motivational speakers, they will tell you that your salvation is in you getting your butt in gear. That is your salvation, and that is a lie. Straight from hell. Your solution is not get your butt in gear. Forgive me, parents, for for using that word. That is not the answer. Our salvation is by faith. It's by faith, not in what you do, but what God has done for you. What God has already done for you. Uh, Not even in what he might do for you today, but what he has done for you. And that's why this whole story points to the cross, right? Forward to the cross, back to the cross. Because what God did in the person of Jesus Christ was give us a reason to stop drifting. He gave us a reason to stop drifting. How much will we drift when we neglect God's mercy, when we neglect his grace? revealed by the Son of God Himself, the Lord Jesus. We can stop drifting by paying attention to what the Bible actually means. Now y'all know we're in a series on the sword of the Spirit right now. We're talking about how to study the Bible and we've been using this methodology of comma, remember? Comma stands for look at the context Make observations of what you're reading. Write down just observations. Look at the meaning, what does it mean? What's the main idea or the main point of what's being written? And then application, how does it apply? Context, Context. observation, meaning, main idea, application. Just a simple method for reading and studying the Bible. Okay, that's what we're doing this all summer. And so today we're really looking at meaning. And how we, st- how, we, how we stop drifting is that we actually pay attention to the meaning. Not just reading the words on the page and, and treating it like a magic lucky charm. Uh, right? It, the Bible is not a fortune cookie. It's not a, a visit to uh, Mother Agatha or whatever. Right? It, the Bible, <laughs> we have to pay attention to God's meaning. And that means you have to think about it. That means you have to meditate on it. Christian meditation is not like Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is emptying your mind and and trying to transcend all the physicality of the world and and trying to sort of connect with the divine. That is not Christian meditation. Don't let anyone tell you that it is. It isn't. It's nowhere in the Bible. Okay, it's really not. (laughs) Christian meditation is taking the truth of God... Understanding the meaning of it and pondering it, chewing on it—it's not emptying your mind; it's filling your mind. It's filling your mind with God's meaning that He has for us in the Scripture. And uh, one of the primary meanings of the whole Bible is the is what He says here: such a great salvation, right? It's that message. That is what every page of the Bible points to ultimately. Every page of the Bible points to that message of salvation by God's grace, through faith, undeserved, uh, unlimited grace of God. That's it, the gospel. And so as we approach the scripture, and today uh, in our remaining time, we're going to take a look again at Psalm 23. And y'all, Psalm 23 has rocked my world this week. It has, it has, and I've been reading, I've known this my whole life, but it has, God has shown me some new things in Psalm 23. And they're not new, they're new, they're new because I'm paying attention to them, okay? They're not new, but they're new to me. All right, y'all ready to get into Psalm 23 just for a few minutes? So, Psalm 23, let me show you my journal. Uh, if you could pull that up, Jessica. Now, I know you can't see it, so hopefully the next one you can. I zoomed in. Is that better? Okay, so what I do is on the journal, I've got context on one, Go back out to the, to the big picture real quick. So, on the left side, it says context, and then there's a column. Then observations. That's where we ask questions, right? What does this mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? Or just say, you know, this is about David. He wrote this, for example. And then meaning is the next one over on the next page in the middle, meaning. And then on the far right side, it says main idea at the top and then application right below that. Okay, we're going to get to those in the next few weeks. So today, meaning. So we're going to zoom in so you can probably see uh, observation and meaning side by side. All right. So what is the meaning of Psalm 23? Psalm 23. What is the meaning of Psalm 23? Well, first of all, it says the Lord. Let me read it. Can I read it? I think I know it. Let's, let, let's do it. The Lord, the Lord, do you have the text of it? Uh, you guys can check me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Did y'all catch how I read that a little different at the end? Okay, I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain. When we say the Lord, that word Lord is the word Yahweh, and that is God's personal name. It's like if you called me Pastor Sibley, You know, that would be like a real formal way to address me, right? But if you call me JP, which you're welcome to do, by the way, if you call me JP, then that's my personal name. God's personal name is Lord. It's translated Lord, but it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. Uh, Sometimes we pronounce it Jehovah. And so the word Jehovah and Yahweh are actually the same word with different pronunciations. Mind blown, right? (laughs) Did y'all know that? Same word, different pronunciations, Yahweh or Jehovah. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that the Lord that he's addressing, he's, first of all, he's calling God's first name, right? He's, he's addressing God in a very personal way because he's saying, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. And see, this is God. Yahweh, this is God Jehovah, the covenant keeping God. This is the God who uh, wants a relationship with his creatures. This is a God who, if you're uh, sitting bored in church, he's the one, this is the God who actually wants to wake you up. This is the one who wants to tap on your shoulder and say, Hey, hey, I want you. Hey, I want a relationship with you. That's Yahweh, that's Jehovah, that's the God in this passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Not want means that he's going to provide everything that I need, right? I shall not want. It means that body and soul, body in verses 1 through 2. Look, he describes uh, physicality, right? He says, um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He's going to take care of our bodies, right? He's going to take care of our bodies. And, and ultimately, we're going to have resurrection bodies. Uh, we are going to suffer and die in this world, that is a consequence of living in a broken and fallen world. But by God's grace, this world will be renewed. There will be a new creation and a new city, Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem, where we will live forever in God's new infinite kingdom. And we we talked a little while ago about the the, the telescope that's aiming into the, uh, you know, into the infinite galaxy, seemingly infinite universe, right? And And, and so eternity is even greater than that. Uh, What God has in store is even greater than that. He restores our bodies and he restores my soul, right? It's not just my body, my physicality, but my inside. It's my inner person. It's my inner person that God cares about, that God is interested in having a relationship with. And so our wellness or our Comfort, our uh, ability to move on with life is not dependent on us, but what does it say? It repeats. He, 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 he. How many times? What did I write up there? Four times, I think. Four times. And he repeats that over and over. because Why? Because we are in a dependent relationship with God. He restores my soul. He does it. And so that means we receive it that we receive it from God. Uh, man-made philosophy, religion is all about self-made. But we as Christians are, we're weak. <laughs> and we admit it. And we say, we need God's help. Right? We are humble people. We ought to be. Because we need God's help. And so we, we say, the Lord is my shepherd He does all these things for me. We are wandering sheep, right? We drift, we stray, and we go into dark valleys. We go into, we wander into uh, places where we're feeling lost. We wander into places where we're in danger, like driving off the road, right? We, we, We drift in life. And and yet, even here, God says to us, the Lord says to us, even in the valley, I will be with you. In the valley, I will be with you. And then it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff are two instruments of the shepherd. The rod is used to guard us. And the And and the staff is used to guide us. The rod uh, guards us against enemies that come. And and the staff guides us where we need to go. Uh, the, the, The rod protects us from our enemies. And the staff directs us where we ought to go, to green pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I always thought this entire psalm was about a shepherd, but I think I was wrong. I think, actually, David changes the metaphor in verse 5. And I don't know why I never really paid attention to it before, but if you look at it, it's, it's right there on the surface. I mean, it, doesn't, it, it shifts. And in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of the life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the second image is of a host welcoming you into his house. And it starts in verse 5. It starts in verse 5. It's the image of a host And so you could say that Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is my host. The Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is my host. The Lord, y'all, the Lord is hosting a banquet. He is throwing a party and you are invited. He is throwing a mind-blowing party and you are invited into his house. In fact, He knows that you've been drifting. He knows that you have been wandering. He knows that you have gone a long way from home. And He says, I've got an open door. i got an open door. Come back. Come back home. The Lord is preparing a banquet. And what's amazing is that this banquet is not for the well-deserving. This banquet is not for the, the high society folk. Uh, This banquet is not uh, for the honor society. This banquet is for sinners. This banquet is for rebels. This banquet is for people who have said, God, I don't need you anymore, and I'm done with you, and have left, and God says, you know what? Hey, I got a banquet, right? He's calling out the front porch, ringing the bell. It's dinner time. And he's calling us to his table. He's calling us to a banquet. And you know what it says? It says, that you, uh, it says you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know what? The, the oil, that's a weird thing, right? And so we have to look to other scripture to help us understand what's he talking about. Well, in the culture, in the Jewish culture, anointing the head with oil was something that you would do for an honored guest. In fact, in Luke chapter 7, in the New Testament, over here, Luke, where's Luke? Right here? Luke, one of these, the third one, Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. And when he shows up, the Pharisee, a Pharisee was like a, a pastor, preacher, tele, a televangelist, like T.D. Jakes. He's invited to T.D. Jakes's house. Imagine, right? Jesus Comes into the house. I'm not saying T.D. Jakes is a Pharisee, by the way. I'm, I'm just using the. He's, he's a preacher, right? He's, and so he's invited into the house. And when he comes in, the tradition is that they would wash his feet, they would anoint his head with oil, which would give relief from living in the beating down sun of the Middle East. You know, it was how you welcomed an honored guest. But when Jesus came into the Pharisees' house, they did none of that. None of that. Because really, they just wanted to know who this guy was. Jesus comes in, and a woman, a sinner, a notorious sinner, I'll say because we're all sinners, but a notorious sinner, she comes into the house, and she anoints Jesus' feet with perfume, And she washes them with her tears, he says. And the Pharisees are ticked, man. They're like, if you knew who this woman was, you wouldn't be letting her within 10 feet of you. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And he tells a story about a servant who had a debt. A great debt, an unpayable debt. And he came to uh, his lender and he said, look, I can't pay it. And the lender had mercy on him and forgave the debt. Millions of dollars of debt. And am I telling the right story? I'm, I'm, I think I might be telling the wrong story. But because but th- I, did, I didn't plan to do this, but it's all right. Who's got Luke 7? Because now I think I'm, I'm telling the wrong story. That's right. And then the servant goes out and he finds somebody that owes him that's wrong? Bring, bring me your Bible. Can I, can I hold your Bible real quick? Oh, she's got it. I'm doing this from memory. Alright. I'm just gonna read it, is that okay? A certain money lender had two debtors One, okay, it was close, but it was not quite. One owed 500 denarii, another 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Right? One guy had five, think of it as millions of dollars, five million dollars forgiven. Another guy had $500 forgiven. Jesus said, now which of them will love him more? And, and, and the Pharisees said, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to them, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward, toward the woman, he said to Simon, this guy, he's naming names, he, he turned to Simon and he said, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. Uh, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. See, she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then they got mad at him for saying that. So the anointing with oil, the anointing with oil is to to the honored guest. Jesus deserved to have his head anointed with oil. But in Psalm 23, David, aware that he's a sinner, recognizes that when he comes into God's house, he should be the one uh, anointing the Lord with oil, right? But it's not that way. It's the Lord who's bending over and, and, and washing our feet. It's the Lord who's, who's anointing our heads with oil. He's the one pouring out the love. He's the one pouring out the grace. And it's for you. It's for you. And it's for me. You don't have to Constantly be doing the work. You got to be served by the Lord and you have to receive His grace. You got to receive it and not just give it out. All right, who am I preaching to? The Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is my host. The meaning of Psalm 23 really hit me this morning. I was reviewing my notes and I got curious about a word uh, in verse 6. And that word is um, dwell. Because he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I have a tool on my computer where I can click on a word and it will show me other words of the same, the same word in other places. And so I clicked on the word... And another word in verse 3 lit up on my computer software. And what that means is that in English, the words are different, but in Hebrew, they're the same word. And and because of context, they're translated differently, which we do all the time in English. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just a different way of saying something. And so in verse 6, the word is dwell. And in verse 3, the word is restores. I thought that's weird how do you get dwell and restore is the same word well there was a footnote and the footnote said return to dwell and y'all that hit me because I was thinking you know the message for the sheep and the message for the sinner is the same He will restore my soul. He will bring me back to where I need to be. And he will call me to return to dwell. It says that you shall dwell. And that means he will call you back to dwell. And y'all, that is good news. That is good news when you have been drifting It's good news when you know for sure you've been drifting. And actually, maybe for some of us, we have never actually been in the Lord's house. Some of us, we don't even know what that's like. And so the invitation is not just for people to come back into the house. The invitation is to come in for the first time. You see, because the good shepherd, he's always bringing in new sheep. And and the Lord of the house is always inviting new people. He's always showing hospitality. Hallelujah! He is always showing hospitality and welcoming in the stranger. And so how do we stop drifting? we got to believe the message. we got to believe the message. we got to believe that this great salvation is for me. And that will keep you on the, in between the lines. <laughs> and it will keep you focused on that red umbrella focused on what Jesus has done for you the door is open there's a banquet and it's made just for you Lord thank you so much for your word, Lord thank you for the way that you have spoken to me this week Uh, you always do but Something was different this week. <laughs> and so, Lord, I thank you for that, and I thank you for the way that you have communicated uh, to us today through your word, Lord, by your spirit. And, Lord, we pray that you will help us to, um, to listen, to pay attention to the meaning, to not drift, to not fall asleep. Lord, help us not to fall asleep. Lord, help us not to fall asleep. Help us not to drift, not to get so busy that we're distracted from paying attention to the good news, the good news of your grace in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen.